Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Come on, who's excited in the house of God tonight? Oh, come on, you could do better than that. How many are excited that because of the blood of Jesus, you have been redeemed, you have been cleansed, you have been justified as though you have never sinned? Is there anybody that still believes that there's power in the blood of Jesus? There is power, still power. I'm talking about some breakthrough power, miracle power. I'm talking about some devil stomping power that is in the blood of Jesus. Is there anybody excited? I'm fired up. You can stay standing because we're just, we're, we came here with an expectancy, with a passion and an excitement to see God move like he has never moved before. How many are in this place saying, Matt, I am in here because I want to walk out changed. I really want something to shift in my life like Z was talking about. See, if you don't, listen, when we worship God, things happen. So if you don't want your life to be chained, changed, if you don't want change to be broken off your life, if you don't want things to shift in your life, then you might as well sit back because when you worship and you lift up your hands and you begin to shout on that name and you begin to tell the devil, not today, I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead living in me, some things begin to happen. Some things start to shift in your life. See, when God shows up and he pours out his spirit, you will never leave the same person. I'm thankful today that I've been moved from the enemy's kingdom into the kingdom of God. I am thankful that I have been redeemed and cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. See, if sin can damage it, the blood can fix it. There is nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. There may be some of you in this place that say, Matt, I'm going through something. I've been stuck and bound in the same thing that's been holding me back and hindering me from going forth in my destiny. I want to tell you that the blood can cover that sin. Tonight is your night to be free. Tonight is your night to say God I surrender my all to you because we often repent enough to be forgiven but we don't surrender enough to be changed and tonight I'm saying God I want to surrender to you so that you can clean me from everything that's not of you because it's a spirit of God that burns up every trace of sin it is a holy spirit ask yourself this question tonight why would a great architect of the universe live inside of me why would he want to live in me? He doesn't remain in, he stays in your physical body even though he knows all your nasty, dirty thoughts and your sin, he still remains in you. And I want to let you know tonight, friend, that he does not remain in you because he's God. He remains in you because his only desire is to please the Father and the Father's desire is for now to him to be in you. He lives in you. Do you know what you carry? Do you know what's on the inside of you? Do you know what you're capable of? For those that don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm from Chicago, about a couple hours away from here. I'm 22 years old, was raised in the church my whole life. Lukewarm, didn't have a prayer life, never read my Bible, was going through the motions, didn't understand who God really was. I, I never knew him because I never read his word. And how many know that we can't understand who he is unless we read his love letter? Growing up in the church, I was heavily involved in ministry. I was involved in the youth, involved in every other, the, the youth choir, everything there was uh, to be involved in, that was me, me and my brothers. My brothers would preach except me, and I was so on, I was just, I was on fire with doing uh, the things of God you could say in the church, but I just never really knew him. 
I never had a relationship with him. I never knew what I carried. I didn't know what I was called to really be or do in life. I didn't know that there was an anointing on my life. I may have sensed it growing up, but I did not know. It wasn't clear to me what exactly God has called me to do. What am I on this earth? Why am I here? What, what, what is there to do? What, what is my calling? What is my destiny? I didn't understand that. And so in high school, I was involved in law enforcement. For a couple years, when I graduated at the age of 18, I, uh, I became a community service officer at a police department in my town. I worked there for about six months. I learned a, a whole bunch of stuff. It was a great experience. I resigned because I wanted to go to the Marines. I want to have a military background on my uh, police record because it looks good. I was going to move to Florida and become a cop. How many just have everything planned out in your life, thinking that's going to go your way, your plans? But how many know that when God steps in, he just ruins everything? And we got to realize that his plans are much greater than the plans that we have for ourselves. Nothing was working out. I said, man, what is going on? Why can't nothing ever go right for me? Why can't things just go smoothly for once? God started getting my attention and, and revealing himself to me in a way that I have never experienced before. And one moment I was at my home, I was in my home with a buddy of mine and I experienced the presence of God, the raw power of God. And my life was never the same. I started going out. I started really doing the things of God. I started understanding who he was and, and, and who he was in his word, who he says he is and what he says that I can do. And I started going out on the streets of Chicago and I had this radical encounter. And I'm not going to get too deep into that, but it was so radical that I had to go and tell people that you have to know this Jesus that I serve. You have to know this person with fire in his eyes, this person that when you encounter him, everything changes in your life. You will never be the same person when you encounter Jesus. Oh, I don't believe in that, brother. It does not matter because when you encounter the presence and the power of God, it does not matter if you don't believe in him. When you encounter him, you cannot deny him. And I come in here with this passion and excitement because I want to fire somebody up to let you know that there's a destiny on your life. That the word of God says all things were created by him and for him. You were not created for yourself. You were created to glorify him and to do what he's called you to do. I started going out streets of Chicago, grocery stores, Walmarts, you name it. Sharing Jesus and his power with other people. I said, you need to know this God that I serve. Life without him is a dead end grocery stores i said god i'm open to whatever gift you want me to flow through today because let me know that we we can flow in the gifts of the spirit they all come from the holy spirit and he lives in us i said god your word says that we shall do greater works than you because you were going to the father you say these signs shall follow them that believe and i'm going to walk out in faith and i'm going to do what you called me to do and i'm going to be a disciple i'm going to be a follower of christ i am a christian a christ follower i'm not going to claim i'm a christian like i used to even though i never read my bible never had a prayer life never i never did the things of god and i, I let's be honest here if we don't do these things we are not christians but now that I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm living for him, I am who he says I am. And I can do what he says I can do. So I'm in these stores and I started sharing the gospel and the message of the kingdom with random strangers. And God started speaking to me about them and words of knowledge and just prophesying and letting him flow through me. Impregnating the atmosphere with hope because we as Christ followers are ambassadors of hope. And I was walking around in, in these aisles and I began to uh, talk to this lady and she was deaf in one ear. And I said, can I pray for you? 
Because how many know that we don't need to come with wise uh, words or intellectual sermons like Paul says, but we can come with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. If you just let me demonstrate the power of God, it would just take one moment and he would change everything. And this lady said, you know what? Go ahead. I, I'll let you pray for me. I said, look, man, what's the worst thing that could happen? Nothing. Laid my hands on her ears. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I command this ear to open right now. This lady looked at me. She says, oh, wow. I said, what, tell me what's going on. She says, I feel like something popped in my ear. And I started to walk away further and further. And her hearing was 100% restored in a Walmart aisle. It does not matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are, what your past looks like. You carry the power of Almighty God. And I believe that God wants to activate this thing in you tonight. He wants to empower you to go out and to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. Left the store, I started going live on Facebook. Many of you have maybe seen the testimonial videos I posted on YouTube and the internet. And they started going viral. In less than a year, over 70 million people were viewing these videos. And they were inspiring people. And so many testimonies that I can't, I could spend all day telling you. But atheists are encountering the presence of God. Muslims are encountering the presence of God. All kinds of other religions. Because there is no other religion on this planet that has a man that would come and die for his people. So that he can live inside of his people. Jesus, I don't want to pray to a dead God. I pray to a living, risen Savior. Started going live on Facebook and people started sharing it over a year now. Over 100 million views on all the videos. Glory to God. And people are getting touched by them because we can step out in faith and to be able to lay our hands on the sick. Because the Bible says if you do that, they will recover. You have the power to cast out death. He has given you the authority. Started posting them all up and... God started moving and opened doors to travel full time. And as I close here, I just want to let you know that there is a calling on your life. The kingdom of God needs you. Your part is needed. If we would just rise up and be the son and the daughter that God has called us to be. People say, Matt, I don't know about you. That stuff is not real. I believe that if God is real, that he would heal hundreds of millions of little kids dying of cancer. There's no God. Why would he allow little kids to die of cancer like that? I said, you know what? I agree with you. I would ask God the same thing. Why do you allow this to happen? Why do you allow injustice and famine and little kids to die of cancer? when you could do something about it but I'm afraid that he might just tell me the same thing we are the hands in the feet of Jesus to visit the sick to feed the hungry but what are we doing I was told that by a person and I said can you imagine how many people would be healed if if we would rise up and actually go and pray for them? We're out here laboring. And instead of just talking, let's do something. People waiting on what you carry. Before Isaiah comes up here, I had a family member. I came back in town. And I brought one of my cousins with me. He got on fire after Rise Up Revival and filled with the Holy Ghost a couple weeks ago. His life is never the same. And now he's not shutting up about Jesus because let me know that when you get filled, you can't shut up. you got authority now to preach the gospel. <laughs> Went to this person's house. They told me, oh, you, you, you're with him now. You're traveling. You're preaching too. They, they got you in. So they, they wheeled you in. I said, yeah, that's right. Fishers of men. My cousin's like, you're next. I, I began to think about this when I went home. I said, 
you know what? I would rather be reeled in than in the world. I would rather be reeled in than in alcoholism. I would rather be, wheel me in because I need to know this Jesus. I don't want to be on the streets. I don't want to be somewhere where God is not. I want to be where he is. Reel me in. Tonight, God is reeling you in because you belong to him. Say yes to him tonight. He desires to know you and he desires to change you and empower you for great things. And without further ado, can you guys give me, you already know who he is. This is no stranger to you. Can you give a warm welcome to Isaiah Saldivar as he comes up for the word of God? Come on, let's give him some praise tonight. Let's crank that way up, brother. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise. I'm telling you, there is a hunger in this place tonight. There is a fire in this place tonight. There is a desire in this place tonight. And we are not just here to have a church. That's cool music. I should have that everywhere I go. We are not just here tonight to play church or to play religion. But we are going. There's a lot of people here tonight. We are going to wage war. I love that sound. Just keep that volume. I love it, brother. I'm hiring you. You're traveling with me. We are here to make war in the spirit realm. The Bible says that from the days of John the Baptist uh, until now the kingdom of God uh, it suffers violence uh, and the violent take it by force uh, there is an expectation uh, and an adoration for what God wants to do uh, I believe that God is raising up a fresh remnant in this house uh, I believe there is another wave of revival uh, we've been here for six years uh, and experienced revival uh, but as I was worshiping I heard the word of the Lord uh, to you Bishop Matt uh, and the word of the Lord was this there is another wave coming and God is looking for holy surfers that say I'm going to ride out the wave you might not want to ride it out but I'm going to ride it out you might want to sit back but I'm not sitting back I'm not letting another wave pass me by see if you've ever been a surfer or have ever surfed before and by the way I never have but if you have you know that when the wave shows up you have to make a choice whether you're going to let it pass you by or you're going to ride it and there's some of you in this place tonight that have been letting the wave pass you by but tonight you're making a choice saying I'm not going to let another wave pass me by I'm going to ride this thing you may be here saying Isaiah I'm bored I don't know why you guys are shouting that way I don't know why you guys are so excited and why you're so loud which is amazing to me because when you were at the club you never went to the DJ and said turn the music down when you were at the tailgate party for the Packers I'm going there tonight you never went and said you gotta settle down I don't know why they shout that way I don't know why they praise that way I'll give you a small hint it's called excitement it's called enthusiasm it's called passion there is something that God has done on the inside of us you don't have to shout you don't have to praise you don't have to stand you don't have to be excited but I've made a choice I went from atheist to a revivalist and I refuse to be silent I refuse I'll preach over here to be calm I refuse to settle down and if you're looking for a dead religion or a dead church there's plenty 
any of them around the city. But I'm here tonight to flow. I'm here tonight to let the river take me. I'm here tonight to surf the river of God. Maybe you're bored because you're not surfing. I mean, imagine every week going out to surf with your friends and everybody else surfing and everybody else having fun. And then you sitting back paddling, letting it pass you by. And then you wonder, why am I bored in the house of God? Why is there no excitement in my life? Listen, I know you came tonight for a reason. You might think you came because Matt Cruz is single. You might think, come on, help me right there. I saw a lot of young ladies up in this place like I've never seen before. I know it ain't a coincidence, but I'm telling you, you may have come for one reason. By the way, he is single in the name of Jesus. You may have come for one reason but God said you come in one way and you're going to leave another way you may have came in just to have a church service or you heard about it on Facebook but I prophesy over you tonight and I pray over you tonight that every demon is going to get cast out that every religious spirit is going to be broken that every power of darkness I'm telling you there oh come on help me preach there's coming a day where every knee shall bow and every, I feel the fire of almighty God. I'm getting ready for a suddenly. I believe we are in a divine moment and a Kairos time where God says, I'm getting ready to suddenly do a deliverance on you. I'm getting ready to suddenly bring your drug addicted kid home. I'm getting ready to suddenly restore your marriage. Suddenly break through in your mind. Break through in your mouth. Break through in how you talk. Breakthrough in how you walk. America does not want our dead religion. Something has to shift. Something has to change. The way that we worship, the way that we praise, the way that we shout. I look at some of you here tonight, and I love you, and I care about you. By the way, I don't have glasses on, so I can't see you. So if you're mad or you're frustrated, praise the Lord. You're all fuzzy to me. Don't sit back. Oh, he must be talking right to me. Friend, if the shoe fits, put it on and go right down the runway. I'm getting ready. We got to get to a place in the American church where we are more afraid of the fear of God than we are the fear of man, where we will stand up in the pulpit. That is been the cry of our ministry where are the Ezekiels in our generation where are the Jeremiah's in our generation where are the prophetic voices that are going to sound the alarm and say we need to get serious about our prayer closet we need to get serious about fasting maybe I have no desire because I'm not spending time I just don't feel it you, friend, listen, if you're waiting to fill it tonight, get, I have a newsflash for you. You're never going to fill it. Why? Because the spirit is, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Do you know what that means? It means your flesh does not want to worship. People tell me, I feel so bad, brother, but I just got to tell you that I don't feel excited about God. I don't want to worship. I don't want to lift my hands. I'm going, don't get mad. Welcome to the club. You got to realize that tonight there is intense spiritual warfare in this place, that we are fighting powers and principalities that our battle is not in the natural but the battle is in the spirit and I'm prophesying to the spirit tonight I'm preaching in the spirit realm see we live our life in the natural but the kingdom we dwell on is invisible the Bible says God made the visible in Colossians 1.16 and made the invisible and the invisible realm is more real than the visible realm and so if I want to win the battle in my mind the battle in my 
my marriage, the battle in my ministry, the battle in my finances. Come on, help me preach. It's getting quiet up in this Catholic church. Then I'm going to have to make war in the right dimension. We're fighting in the wrong realm. You have more courage fighting people on Facebook than you have to be fighting in your prayer closet. So we're, well, well, I got to go to this church and this church and talking about it about so-and-so. And I'm going, what if we took our energy and our put a target and say, I'm going to spend my energy. I'm going to spend my time. I'm going to spend my finances. I'm going to spend my passion. And I'm going to begin to redirect areas of my life that I'm ra- wasting resources. And I'm going to be like the woman with the alabaster box. And I'm going to begin to waste my life on Jesus instead of waste my life on Instagram. I'm going to begin to waste my life on Jesus instead of waste my life on Facebook I'm going to get my face in his book I'm going to get in the place of worship I'm going to get in the place of prayer and here's the best thing it's like negative 19 degrees outside California we have beaches and it's like 70 all year 80 all year and it's hard to get people I'm thinking we're, listen I'm not trying to be anything here but we're in Wisconsin in the freezing cold where you can't even go outside yet I'm still wondering what is it going to take to get you off the couch and get you into the spirit what is it going to take for you to say you know what it's freezing cold outside so while it's cold I'm going to get in my prayer closet and I'm going to get alone with God and I'm not coming out of my prayer closet until I hear something I've never heard before until I experience something I've never experienced before because here's what happens when you get in prayer and you encounter him you walk out and say I've been saved for seven years and never had an encounter like that I've been wasting my time. Why? Because three hours on Netflix does not transform my spirit, man. Three hours on Instagram does not change my desires, my will, and my ambitions. And we have made an anti-Christ church. Did you say that right? Yes, I did. An anti-Christ where we are anti the the domain and the ruling and the authority of a man named Jesus who is not just a man that died on a cross to wash you from your sin. That's part of him. But he is all also a risen king who is sitting at the right hand of God that goes I don't want a part of you I want all of you I want your entire life I don't just want to come in your heart mow your lawn and build a tree house I want to transform the inner thought I want to change the way you talk I want to change the way you walk I want to change the way you act I want every part of you so when you leave this revival Your parents are upset because they don't know what happened to you. We get, Bishop, you wouldn't believe it. We get calls from parents from our revival and they go, what did you guys do to our kid? And we're thinking what? And they're they're, like Matt was saying, they're all mad. Oh, you must have drank the Kool-Aid. I'm thinking if this Kool-Aid changes my marriage, changes my, bring me another pitcher because I'll do whatever it takes. People tell me all the time, oh, you're, you believe in the Holy Spirit? Oh, you believe in speaking in tongues? Oh, you believe in casting out demons? Oh, you believe, I'm thinking the Bible, yes. Raising the dead? They're like, you must be in an occult. And I'm like, if I am, don't rescue me because this has changed every part of my life. And by the way, if you read your Bible, they called Jesus a cult leader. And Jesus said, oh, don't even fret. They're going to call you what they called me. And when they hate on you and when they make fun of you, here's the best part about it. David got a revelation that in the presence of my enemies, God sets up a table. So you got to thank God for a moment for the haters. you got to thank God for the backbiters and naysayers. Every time they stab you in the back, God sets up lunch. Every time they 
make fun of you. God, if there's no enemies, there's no table. Oh, I got one you could tweet right here. If, you, if the enemy's not fighting you, it's probably because you're walking with him. You may wonder why I don't have any spiritual warfare. Because you don't live your life in the spirit realm and you've given God 5% of your life. Here's the amazing part about the American church and why I say it's anti-Christ. We're anti the reign of God in our lives. Is that we teach people how to live for two hours. There is 168 hours that are in our week and we give God two measly hours. And our worry and our focus is how for two hours could we get you to be excited. Friend, I'm going to give you a prophetic word. There is coming a day in the American church where we are not going to have to pamper you and powder you and make you formula and change your diaper, but we are going to walk in the house of God saying, I'm ready to worship. I'm ready to shout. I'm ready to dance. I'm ready to sing. See, the Bible says they will be volunteers in the day of your power in the beauty of your holiness. I'm ready for the day of volunteers volunteers. Pastor, you don't have to tell me. I volunteer. You don't have to make me. I volunteer. I don't want to be made to do it. I want to want to do it. But if I feed my flesh for 166, I'm bad at math, so just help me right there. 166 hours and then feed my spirit for two hours. If the only time, friend, there is an epidemic in the church and it's called this. We think because we come once a week and we give God two hours that makes us like him. Friend, the only way we are going to be more like this man named Jesus is literal time spent in the presence of God. That means I'm going to begin, I hear the Lord saying, begin to unplug the television. Begin to unplug the cell phone. Begin to unplug the social media and say, I'm taking my plug out of the world and I'm plugging into Christ. I'm going to begin to shift areas of my life because if I think I could come to revival meeting and be excited and dance and shout and then leave this place and never change anything, I am living in delusion and deception. And we are living in deception in the church. What do you mean? Well, my marriage isn't right. My family's not saved. My cousins, there's no movement of God. And I'm going, well, how much time have you spent praying for them? How much time have you spent on your knees? How much time have you spent warring? Because when I read the Bible and I see Jesus answering prayers, he gives us two illustrations of why he answers prayer. The first one, he goes, a man comes at midnight and bugs the guy. The guy gets up, gives them bread, not because they're friends, but because his shameless persistence. See, my relationship with God is not what gets my prayer answered. What gets my prayer answered is my shameless persistence. It's that I'm willing to keep coming back to prayer prayer. I'm willing to keep coming back to church. When everything is falling off around me, I'm coming back to the house of God. David said, there's no place I'd rather be than in the house of the Lord. I'd rather spend one day in the house of the Lord than to dwell elsewhere. He said, better is one day. He goes, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in your house. Here's what he was saying. I'd rather just open the door for people. Literally do nothing. Just open the door in your bed. Why? Because as long as I'm in your house, I don't mind vacuuming. As long as I'm in your house, I don't mind. Some of you go, when am I going to get the microphone? And pastor's going, when are you going to get the plunger? See, you got to understand that if you can't handle the vacuum at the, at the altar, you'll never handle the microphone at the altar. And God goes, I'm looking to raise those up. They say, I don't care what I have to do. I just want to be in the house of the Lord. I just want to be in church. He goes, I'd rather be a doorkeeper than this with the, I think it's the message translation, which is the translation Z reads out of. Amen. I'm just joking with you. I'm just, I'm just, a little spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. 
He goes, then I would rather be a doorkeeper than party with the wicked. You know what David was going? He goes, let's look at the biggest, baddest party. And I used to party, so I know parties. He goes, with all the drinks, all the girls, all the this, all the that, all the excitement, the best party. He goes, and I would rather open the door and be in the house of God than to be at the wildest, craziest party. Why? Because when I come to the house of God, there is something that begins to shift in my life. I don't come in tired. I don't drag myself in. See, in the Bible, it was a crime to come to the house of God and be unprepared it was a crime to come to the house of God and not bring a sacrifice you didn't even think about coming without an offering and I'm not talking about your money oh there is but I was waiting for that preaching about money I'm talking about the areas of your life where you say God I'm going to lay something down tonight see the fire of revival only falls on sacrifice if there is no fire in your life there is no sacrifice in your life It's not a one-time encounter. It's an everyday thing where you go, God, I was today in the hotel going, all right, God, search me again, God. All right, God, eight years, every single day I wake up, I go, God, search my heart. I need to find firewood. See, there's a fire in my life, but that fire is going to die out if I don't constantly find things to fuel it. What is the best fuel for a revival fire? The best fuel is idols. Do you know what the fire of God loves? It loves idols. And so sometimes I just say, Lord, find the idol in my life so that I could lay it down and watch it burn. See, the fire of God is attracted to extravagant sacrifice. That's why when the woman broke her box, Jesus goes, don't say a word about her. Don't be mad that there's people in this room that have a praise that you don't have. Don't be mad that there's people in this room that have a worship that you don't have. People come to our revival and they're, they get upset because we do this and we shout and we scream and we dance and we stand the whole service and we're crazy i know i know we actually believe god can heal deliver i know it's crazy people i know they're like well i don't understand it's just god it's not like the one that made the universe five thousand stars every second tells the waves where to stop the bible says out of the breath of his nostrils the red sea opened when moses came to god and said i don't know how we're going to cross god went hmm and when god breathed the red sea the bible says parted i know we're not talking about the god that commands the morning or commands the night that tells darkness where to go in light. We're not talking about this massive and this powerful God. I'm telling we have this little Jesus, a little weak, powerless Jesus in the church. I believe that God is going to raise up a remnant in the earth because we don't want the God of the American church. We don't want the God that we've made in our imagination. I don't know about you, but I am not interested in a God that I made in my image. I want a God that made me in his image. I'm tired of the different Jesus. See, Paul said there is going to come a day where they preach a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. And we are living in the day of the different Jesus. Go to, the, go to an average church. Read your Bible and then go to an average church on Sunday morning. And be real. You know what you're going to do? Wow, this is a different Jesus. I remember going from an atheist getting radically saved and getting on fire for God, going to Nino for 14 hours, 16 hours, 18 hours a day, and telling him all these things about prophecy, what God was doing. I mean, God wrecked my life. God ruined my life. you got to realize that when revival shows up, when the fire shows up, it doesn't say, well, what do you want me to burn, and what do you feel like giving up? The fire of God does what it wants, where it wants, how it wants. 
and it will begin to burn things away. So if there's little areas and little addictions and a girlfriend and the boyfriend and the job that you are afraid to lose, you better not pray for the fire because the fire doesn't say, well, do you want to still work there? Well, do you still like him? Well, I mean, have you seen the six pack? I mean, the fire does not negotiate. The fire begins to burn relationships. It begins to burn. I'm telling you, friend, when the fire of God showed up in my life, I had 40,000 songs. This is, by the way, this is before Apple Music. This is like real stuff here. And I went home, and you know what I did? No one told me what to do. No one told me how to do it. And there's a lot of college kids. You listen to me loud and clear. I clicked the top of the song, and I scrolled down. 40,000. I was in a band, very successful, traveling. I scrolled to the very bottom song. No pastor, no preacher, no minister. you got to realize the fire of God speaks for himself. Remember when Moses was in the backside of the mountain, it wasn't a preacher that reached him. It was the fire of God speaking out of a burning bush. See, the fire knows how to speak to you. The fire knows how to get a hold of you. You don't just need a preacher. You need a fire encounter. You need the presence of God to speak and to say, this is what I've called you to do. This is what I have for you. Even some of you right now are hearing from the fire and that fire saying, I need to burn some stuff away. I need to get rid of some stuff. See, it's the fire that keeps you going when you get weary and tired. Jeremiah said, I don't feel like preaching anymore. He said, I'm tired and I'm burnt out. He goes, God, every time I take the stage, every time, I have my notes and I have my sermon, Your Best Life Now title. And I just got invited to speak here and I want to be nice. I want to get invited back. I want to get honorarium. And so I got to say what they want me to say. And I got to be, friend, we've been in churches with thousands of people and I've got up there and I go, God, I know what they want to hear. They want to hear about their BMW. They want to hear about how awesome they are, how about God wants to bless them and how God wants to use them even though they're in disobedience, even though they don't know him. I get up there and all of a sudden that fire rages. All of a sudden, see, Jeremiah said, every time I get up to preach, all I preach is repentance and judgment. He goes, God, when I signed up to be a preacher, this is not what I signed I up for. But Jeremiah, you got to understand the hour that you live in. You are living in an hour where the church has rebelled against me, where he literally told the prophet Hosea, he goes, Hosea, you want to know what it feels like to be in a relationship with the church? You ever been in a bad relationship? Come on. Just wave. Oh, praise the Lord. Some of you are like, right now, praise the Lord. You're sitting next to me. I'm telling you, if you've ever been, you know the pain and you know the hurt. I remember being with a girl for years and then finding out she was hanging out with another guy. Nothing physical happened, but I just remember the sick, twisting feeling in my stomach. Come on. Some of y'all know what I'm saying. I remember not eating for a week, losing all this weight, not sleeping. All my family's going, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? And it was all because I found out she was hanging out with a guy. I mean, it wasn't like anything happened I was just those something in me going why is it somebody that I care about is cheating on me and God looks at the prophet Hosea and goes Hosea I want to show you what it feels like to be in a relationship with the American church for the sake of today he goes Hosea let me show you go marry a prostitute this is all it's in there it's in the book I promise it's in there somewhere Go marry a prostitute. He goes, and when you marry her, she's going to leave you. She's not going to spend time with you. Every night, she's going to be off doing her own thing. And you know what I was saying? She's only going to come to you when she wants something. She's only going to come to you when she wants some money. She's only going to come to you when she has to go to the doctors. She's only going to come to you when she needs something. He goes, Hosea, I want you to do it to be a prophetic picture of my relationship with the people of God. He goes, they have rebelled against me. They have worshiped idols. Friend, do you understand that the person of the Holy Spirit... 
is not a mystical blue flame that floats around the room. This is a real person that goes, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want you to invest time with me so that I could transform you into the image of Christ. Jesus goes, I have to leave the earth and I have to send somebody. What's he going to do? Here's his first definition in the New Testament. Convict you of sin and the world of righteousness and the judgment to come. You know what he was saying? I want this thing to be a part of your life because every time you come in contact with it, it's going to change you and make you more like me. Jesus goes, I'd love to stay and have a little revival meetings and have a little patty cake Christianity. He goes, but the problem is if I stay, I'm going to be a crutch to you becoming like me and you're going to live your life on what you can see and live your life in the natural. And remember when he told the disciples that blessed are those who don't see, but they still believe leave. So Jesus goes, I'm going to leave. And for 40 days, according to the book of Acts, he's going up and down from heaven to earth, teaching the disciples on the kingdom of God. He was not teaching them how to play worship music. All right, today we're going to learn how to play drums and how to hit the right chord and how, how to sing the right song and make sure we sing the right hill song and the right Bethel album, the right Jesus culture. He wasn't up there making stages. He didn't say for 40 days we're going to build this church and we're going to make a nice stage. And listen, I love it. We have a church. We pastor a church. Please hear what I'm saying. But that was, what not Je- that was not what Jesus taught the disciples. He goes, I'm going to teach you how to live a lifestyle. And there's a shameless plug for the merch in the back. Our merch is Revival Lifestyle. I'm going to teach you a lifestyle of revival. Revival is not an event that we make go long and turn the music loud. Revival is a lifestyle. I'm going to teach you how to cast out demons. I'm going to teach you how to heal the sick. I'm going to teach you how to raise the dead. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit. Why do you keep everything? Jesus is teaching and then he disappears. So I was like, there he goes again. When's he going to come back? Why is he going up and down from heaven? Because he wants to teach the disciples that although I'm not standing in front of you, I'm just as much with you when I'm gone as I am when I'm here. Why? Because every time I leave, I send the comforter, not the one that makes you comfortable, but the one that brings comfort in the midst of the storm. I'm going to send the convictor. I'm going to send the one that when you first get saved and you have 40,000 songs on your iTunes, what was it that would send me home to click the top of the song and the bottom hit delete? It was called the Holy Spirit. See, I believe tonight that you are going to come in contact with a force that is more powerful than any cocaine, that is more powerful than any alcohol. And trust me, I've done it and tried it all. I drank almost every single day but friend when I tasted the new wine when I experienced the Holy Ghost there is nothing better Jesus said honey if you drink of me you will never thirst again every other idol and every other vice you will you will thirst again it's only temporary pleasure he goes but when you drink of me you'll never thirst again And you know, the more you eat of me and the more you taste of me, the hungrier you get from me. See, in the world, when you're hungry and you eat, you get full. In the kingdom, when you're hungry and you eat, you get hungrier. God goes, I want to put a desire in you. And by the way, I'm preaching four times, so tonight, that'll just be my intro. He goes, I'm going to put a desire in you tonight. I'm going to put a hunger in you tonight where you would get to such a place where you go, I don't care where I'm from. I don't care who came with me. I don't care how far I drove. I don't care what I brought tonight. I'm not worried about religion. I'm not worried about what Judas thinks. I'm breaking everything. I'm pouring out an offering to him. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to waste my life on this thing. Friend, I'm telling you, my personality, I, I have gotten bored of everything in my life. Everything. 
I've tried, literally, and my wife, when she married me, she's like, is there anything you don't do? Because I used to just do, I mean, I'm talking like yo-yos, skateboards, scooters, bicycles, football, basketball. So I tried, I've done everything, every hobby, and I get into it, and I get excited about it, and I get good at it, and I do all this stuff. There's only one love that is, is never leaving, that's called fishing. Amen. I just had to throw it in there because I got nervous right there saying that. I had all these things, all these desires. I mean, I have this addictive personality. I started fishing a month later, I bought a boat. Everything I get into, I go all the way in. And for years, I would do things and then get rid of it. I would get good at it and get rid of it. And I'm telling you right now, I am at a place after eight years traveling, doing ministry. We have been in revival in Manteca for eight years. And every day I get up out of bed, I realize I don't know anything about this God. And there is a desire and there is a hunger to know him. There is not one boring moment when you are in the presence of God. See, every time you get in his presence and every time you look at him you learn something you never knew before that's how the seraphim are able to surround the throne and sing holy 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 is the lord god almighty every time they look at him they get a new revelation every time they look at him they get changed once again see i'm bored because i'm not with him why am i bored let me ask you this when was your last encounter I can't remember. Well, but look at my Netflix account. Every season, every series. I mean, our generation, young people, we don't even watch episodes. They used to be like, did you watch episode 19? Now it's like, did you watch season three? And don't worry, I've got caught in before. Me and my wife, one time, there was that thing, I think it was called like making a murder, a murder documentary. Oh, actually, the guy was from Wisconsin. Me and my wife sat down, and in two days, we spent five, I, I'm just telling them myself, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This was a couple years ago. We spent five hours the first day on a Saturday, and then five hours the next day. We were so obsessed and so addicted watching this, and I'm going, the enemy has pulled in this generation with Netflix shows and series and all the dramas and we could binge watch seasons and we could spend eight hours, nine hours. Come on, don't look at me like you're Jesus' third cousin, second time removed. I know that there's some sin in your life too and we will sit there for hours and hours like it's nothing and we will walk away unchanged. We will walk away no different, more like the world than like Christ and then we come to prayer meeting. And that's, and yeah, that's maybe, that's not even when we come, that's if we come. There's an epidemic around the church called the church doesn't like God. We don't come to prayer. We don't talk to God. And then we wonder why we don't know him. How could you know somebody you never talk to? How could you know somebody you never spend time with? Pastors call us from all over the country and say, Isaiah, my church won't come to prayer. And I'm going, the fact that we don't want to talk to God, it shows where we are in our relationship. If I sat down for marriage counseling and my wife said, I don't know. He just doesn't want to talk to me. Do you think that guy that was running the pastor running marriage counseling would say, well, sounds like you have a healthy marriage. Have a great day. Hope everything works out for you. Yet we come every Sunday and think God's doing that with us. God's going, well, everything's fine. And I'm going, everything's fine? You gave God an hour of your time and you spent all week ignoring him, prostituting yourself. In fact, your Bible says this word for word, that in experience, this is all in the Old Testament, you should try reading it for once, that an experienced prostitute could learn a thing or two from Israel. You've got to realize that Israel had this mentality that as long as we do the Christian charade, as long as we go to revival, there's a placebo.
placebo effect that if I lift my hands, if I worship, don't worry, give me five more Pentecostal minutes. And if I praise, then I'm in, I'm in right standing with God. Friend, that's not what makes you in right standing. Well, how do you know? Because the New Testament scariest verse of the Bible says, and they stand before me and say, did we not prophesy? Did we not do miracles? Did we not preach for you? Did you not dine and eat with us? He goes, but there's only one small problem. I don't know you. In fact, what was your name again? I mean, can you imagine God looking through the Lamb's Book of Life and he goes through ones and goes, wait, what was your last name again? I'm going, Saldivar, I don't see you anywhere in the S's. I mean, it should be at the very, who, who are you? And I'm thinking, I preach for you. I travel. I'm with Reinhard Bonnke, YouTube. And I start naming all my accolades like the lukewarm church. They started naming all their accolades. Well, we're rich and we have money and we don't need. And, we're, and we start giving God our resume. And God goes, your resume looks good. The problem is the job you had wasn't the right job. Because the job that I gave was not to go do things in my name. But it was to first know me and do things out of the relationship. It's, it's an overflow where I minister out of overflow I preach out of overflow if I have not spent time with him I should not be spending time with you if I've not been in the prayer closet I shouldn't be behind the pulpit see God is looking for messengers that would get alone with him that he'd be like Jeremiah and say Jeremiah I gotta download a message into you not a message off sermon central not a fancy sermon but I'm raising a prophet that will have demonstration of power and authority that would actually want to know me. How do you think God feels when you cheat on him all week? When he goes, it's weird how you want to spend three hours and then you come in prayer. And you know what's amazing about prayer meetings? They're actually exciting if you pray. I mean, this is the craziest thing to actually pray in a prayer meeting. I've had days where I'm like, five minutes go by. I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I thought it was already midnight. It's only eight. I'm, I, be, I thought I've been praying for an hour. And I'm thinking about what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to eat. What, well, I'm, actually, I never think about what I'm going to wear because I wear the same thing every day. But what am I going to eat? What am I going to do tomorrow? And I'm thinking about all this. And I'm going, the God of the universe. It would be like if you were at a Starbucks. God called you and said, you want to meet in fellowship at Starbucks? I'm talking about the God of the universe. And you sat there across from the God of the earth earth, the God of the, the, the planets, the God that made, and you sat there texting the whole time, you know, and I do it all the time, and it's my biggest pet peeve, and I, I'll, t- I'll talk to people, I'm not looking over here at all at anybody over there, but I'll talk to people, and they're sitting on their phone, and I'm, I know they're not listening, I know, and so I'll just stop talking, and they won't even realize, and I do this too, so it's not just them, I do it all the time, and I'm going, every time I'm texting or talking, and someone's talking to me, I, 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 when I'm done, I'm like, God, I hate that I do that, I hate that I'm so distracted, and I'm so worried about my phone as somebody is spending their time, I mean, can you imagine God speaking to you with your head down, going, yeah, God, I hear you, go ahead, what were you saying, and you're in the middle. It is impossible for your brain to do two things at once. I don't care if you're a woman and you think you're all talented and you could text and you could walk. Uh, friend, that's why if you go on YouTube, there's tons of videos of people texting, falling into rivers and hitting things because it's just not possible to do. Yet we are balancing all these things in our life and we are going to bed exhausted because we have not had the inner strength of the Holy Spirit and we spent all day balancing our Instagram, balancing our Facebook, balancing relationships and we end up in church all nodded up like this you know what this is that's you being knotted up in the spirit i don't know why he's yelling i don't know why it doesn't take all that it doesn't take all that to stay in bondage 
It doesn't take all that if you don't want to change. You don't have to do nothing. You don't have to shout. You don't have to scream. But don't look at people that have the fire of God and be jealous over what they have when you're not willing to do what they do. You have to stop being stiff-necked tonight and say, I am tired of being tangled up by the vices of this world. The Holy Spirit, if I can get the worship team up, is in this place tonight and says, I want you to pour something out. I want you to lay something down. I want you to sacrifice something. Stop being like Judas and judging everyone that's willing. It's amazing how this woman's pouring out her box, breaking. And this was not just an ordinary box. This was a year's wage. I told our team, if we got up at the end of the year and said, we're going to take, and I'm not, by the way, if you're on Facebook Live, I'm not saying we're doing this tonight because I could already see the video clipped. Preacher asked people for a year's wages. I'm saying, hypothetically, can you imagine pastor getting up and saying, we're going to ask everyone tonight to give what they made the entire year. I don't know about you, but I would have to really get a preventative. I mean, God would have to come down with a white wool hair and fiery eyes and look me in the eye and say, give me what you made this year for me to do that. Yet this woman, you know what I love about this girl? Nobody told her to do that. See, something happens when you get the fire on the inside of you where you go, I don't need no one to ask me to give up. And remember, I'm not talking just because we're going to offer it. I'm not talking about money right now at all. I'm talking about your, fi- your life, your time, your energy, your enthusiasm, and your passion. And she made a choice. She was going to take a year's wage, an entire year of working, and she was going to show up to Jesus. And she was not giving it to a missionary fund or an orphanage fund. It wasn't like, all right, Jesus, take this $40,000, this $80,000, whatever the wage, average wage is in America, and go use it for mission work. You know what she did? She said, I'm wasting this. I'm pouring. And you know the first person to speak up and say something was Judas. You know what's amazing about Judas? He had been stealing from the box the entire time. Meanwhile, she's breaking hers. Judas had his hand in the money box and was taking from the move of God. Watch where I'm going. Was taking from the move of God, but never giving back to the move of God. So meanwhile, he's stealing the money. Oh, I felt the Holy Ghost. And you know what I love about Jesus? He never fired Judas. Now, if I found out Matt Cruz or Z or one of them were in my merch bag, (laughs) praise the Lord taking 20s, taking 100s, every time we travel together, and I'm like, every time we travel there's 300 missing, 400, how many know I wouldn't be having them, I would be like you know what guys, I'm done, you're fired, you're working I would never let somebody working for me steal from me, yet Jesus the entire time lets Judas stay with them never treats him different never responds, loves him like all the other disciples, but in the back of his mind, he knows Judas has been stealing from the move of God. And all of a sudden, I can imagine Jesus, when Judas stood up and began to judge the woman, Judas said, why would you waste all of that on Jesus? See, this world and your family and this community and a lot of the churches around this area, they think that extravagant worship and extravagant praise is a waste of time. You're telling me you show up on Sunday to pray? You show up on Monday to pray, you show up on Tuesday for prayer, you show up on Wednesday for service, you show up on Sunday, and your friends and your family that are religious but don't know Jesus are going to be like Judas and say, don't waste it on him. See, but when you've really encountered the fire, when you really know Jesus, you will realize that there is no such thing as wasting life on him. There is no such thing. I made a commitment eight years ago I'm going to ask you to make tonight. This was my commitment. God, I'm going to waste my life on you. 
I was getting hired as a deputy sheriff, which is weird because I just got asked to do the prayer and the opening and closing of their hiring ceremony next month. And I was literally, or this month, I was applying for the department and now I'm going to be over there praying, opening up their graduation. The way God, I mean, my dreams and my desire was to be a sheriff and to do this and have this house and have this family and all these things. And when God came into my life, he said, Isaiah, I want you to get rid of everything and I want you to waste your life on me. See, to the world, it seems like a waste, but to us, it is the very power of God that is saving. The Bible says that the gospel is foolish to those that are perishing. See, the fact that you might think tonight this is foolish, you might be even making fun tonight thinking I'm nuts, is a sign that you are perishing. But to those that know him, it is the very power of God. See, you may be in this place and God goes, I want a fresh touch. I want a fresh encounter. I want to anoint you again. I want to bring you back in relationship where it's not about, you don't have to force yourself because some of you, you're, you treat God like broccoli. It's like, oh God, I have to eat this again. I mean, I literally hate vegetables. I tell my wife, don't try to feed me any weeds. I don't want nothing. Um, I don't want the green. I don't want the, I mean, it's like, oh, I got to eat it again. And this is how we treat God. It's like, oh, I got to come to the altar and I have to, oh, I hate this. It's so good for me. It's disgusting. It's like, oh my, you want to know why I hate broccoli? Because I don't eat good. My brother will eat broccoli for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, I'm talking talking about a vegan. I mean, he, I go, Nico, what, why do you eat so much good stuff? He goes, you don't understand, Isaiah. The reason why you don't like the good stuff is because your system is used to the bad stuff. See, you're used to McDonald's and Taco Bell. Praise the Lord, a revival diet right there. And so whenever anything good comes, your system doesn't crave the good because it's so used to the bad. So when you have the good, you don't want the good. It doesn't taste good. He goes, but what happens when you start cleansing your system? And by the way, I'm not going to eat no broccoli tonight. So don't think this is like I'm getting saved tonight and eating right. Okay, I'm going to eat some fried stuff after this. So just don't get all weird on me and think I'm going to get healthy all of a sudden. But he starts explaining. He goes, your body, when it cleanses itself, it starts getting an appetite for healthy things. You go from craving double-doubles and triple-triples with extra animal-style, buckaroo-style, buffalo-style, deep-fried everything, oil on this and oil on that. I mean, you go, come on, somebody better help me. You go from all this junk, and now your body, it starts craving broccoli. And I'm going, I'm so far from that. I can't even imagine wanting to eat salad. Yet there are real people, and some of you are out here, talk to me after you're trying to sell me Herbalife and all this I'm going you really like this stuff but you got to realize when you start eating that stuff you get energy you get excited you don't have to drink rock stars like I do all the time you have to drink coffee there's natural fire and energy and passion and God goes you got to realize when you get weaned off that Netflix Facebook Instagram diet and you get on a diet of the word of God you get on a diet of prayer and fasting your color changes I literally there's days where my family's like you don't look good like, well I haven't been eating and when I do eat I don't eat right it starts showing the way you look. You know, I can look at some of you tonight and can tell you haven't been eating good spiritually. And you're, you, you have no energy in the spirit. 
You have no passion, no drive, no desire. I'm going to close with this. I read, and I'm not saying this to brag, but I just want to give you a memory here. I read the Bible in 28 days. I did it. For, I started out 90 days. I said, I'm going to challenge myself to read the Bible in 90 days. It's going to take about 60 hours total to read the whole Bible. So I calculated it all out. And then as I'm reading, I feel like the Lord challenged me to do it in 60 days. And then as I was reading again, the Lord said, do it in 30 days. I ended up finishing the entire Bible front to back in 28 days. It was close to three hours a day. And my mom one day said, Isaiah, how do you feel reading the Bible three hours a day? I mean, I'm talking about reading. And I I read fast. That's like if you read fast. I go, Mom, I have never felt better. I'm telling you everything. My patience, my joy, my peace. I, Mom, Mom, I can't even, I, just, I can't even explain how incredible I feel. But you know what's amazing? After I did that, you would think I would start doing that at least once a year or more often. But what happens is our appetite shifts and we go back to those old desires. We go back to those old things. And tonight, the Lord is drawing us back to worship. He's drawing us back to prayer. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, I'm going to relight the fire on the altar of your life. And we are going to have a fire that never burns out. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I believe tonight the fire is going to light once again. Would you please give a loud round of applause for Bishop tonight? Praise the Lord. Isaiah's going to be back in a little bit for a time of ministry, but at this time you can take your seats, and we're going to give you an opportunity to share an offering. And um, it's important to understand that the whole concept of giving is a connecting of our heart with the heart of God. God's more concerned so much about the attitude about behind the gift than even the gift itself. But we want to give you that opportunity. There were things tonight that were spoken in this atmosphere. And I trust that God has begun to speak to you in ways that will respond in a change in direction, a change in your passion, a change in the purpose, and a change in your future. Because things are changing. Turn to your neighbor and say, things are changing. Things need to change because they can't stay the same because God has something better for you. So we have several ways and opportunities to give. You can see on the screen behind me. You can text to give. That's easy. You can do it in person. There's an offering envelope in the seat pocket that's nearby you. You can do that. You can use the app. You can download that app. That's a great way to do it. So there's, Or you can do it online. But however you do it, do it as an act of obedience, as a response of your love for Jesus and what God's doing this week. Because I don't need to say, okay, there's costs, there's expenses. But that's not the focus. It's more you investing in what God is doing. And as you do, God's going to do something in your life as you sow a seed. Because there was not a price set for people to come tonight. Now, if you would go to the Green Bay Packer game, they would require you to purchase a ticket to enter. And it's at different prices. But you can have a front row seat here at no charge. But you have an opportunity to give from your heart as a response of what God is doing. So it's not forced. It's not coerced. It's not manipulated. It's allowing God to stir you in a response to give to him. And so we're going to just take a moment and pray. And then we're going to pass the baskets. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we've heard tonight. 
We thank you for this encounter in your presence. And Father, I pray that as we respond through our giving, that there's a connection of our heart. Because you said, Father, that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is also. And so we release our treasure to you tonight. In the name of Jesus, Father, we pray that you bless the seed that's sown. Father, thank you for hearts of generosity that respond to honor you in giving tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And something I always like to say, because I believe it's true, when everyone does their part, every need is met. And the Holy Spirit is well able to communicate to you what your part is. It may not be what your neighbor is doing. You don't need to even know that. That's between them and God. But you need to respond and be obedient to what he's speaking to you as you partner and sow into what God is doing in his kingdom. Amen. A host at this time will pass the baskets, and then we're going to invite Isaiah back up. Once the bucket passes you, if you'll just stand, that would be awesome. Thank you. Once it passes you. Thank you. We also have merch in the back. I brought two huge suitcases. So if you don't like the shirts, go buy one for your grandkids or your cousin or your uncle or your dog or your whatever. Praise the Lord. Come on. Tonight is the night. The Lord's going to give you your fire back. Tonight's the night. I want to get, I want to, get to a place, and specifically tonight... We're not going to call the prayer team up. I want to call those. Now, I'm not begging you. If you don't want it, you don't need it, you don't care, you could sit back and watch everybody else. But I feel the Lord calling those tonight that say, you know what, Isaiah? I want my passion back. I want my fire back. I want my zeal back. And I'm not going to wait until somebody lays hands on me. Me, Matt, Z, we're going to lay hands. We're going to pray. But I don't want you to wait on a minister. Wait on a man of God. I believe tonight that you're going to cry out for yourself. You're going to get desperate for yourself and say, God, I've walked away from my passion. I have walked away from my first love. And tonight, there is a flame with your name. The Bible says in the book of Acts that a flame fell on each of them. That means there is enough fire for every single one of us to get our encounter. The encounter is not just for the preacher or the evangelist or the guitar player or the keyboard or the drummer. The fire is for every one of you. And if you would be serious enough tonight and say, Isaiah, I need it. I don't know exactly what it is, but tonight I am saying yes to the fire of God. I am saying yes to revival. I'm saying yes to laying everything down. Friend, I was in a service just like this eight years ago, and I was an atheist, and I said yes to God, and my entire life changed. Nobody prayed over me. Nobody laid hands on me, but it was the Holy Spirit filled my life, and I began to speak in tongues. If you'd ask Matt Cruz his testimony, he was in his basement. No one was laying hands on him, and I believe there is a divine moment tonight where the Lord is going to anoint you he's going to call you and assign you so if you're in this place without further to do and you say I want the fire just come out of your chair right now if you're come on out of your chair right now just come forward I'm not asking you to get saved I'm saying you might just need the fire of God don't sit back don't wait don't worry about your neighbor don't worry about your family this is for you this mandate is for you just come up and close your eyes if you're saved I'm not calling salvation I'm saying that some of you need to reignite your flame 
Some of you need your passion back. Some of you need your hunger back. With every eye closed at this altar as we sing this song, I want you to begin to cry out to God. I want you to begin to go after God tonight and say, Lord, I need you. Come on, let's go after him tonight. Come on, this is your moment to cry out. This is your moment to seek him. This is your moment for breakthrough. Don't worry about what's happening on stage. Don't worry about who's praying who has the mic. We're going to lay hands on those that we feel God's calling us to lay hands on. But right now, the Lord is reigniting something in this church. He is re- I'm telling you, refuge will never be the same. I said refuge will never be the same. Tonight, there is something special happening. Matt, Z, a couple of us, we're going to start laying hands and praying. But as we do, just close your eyes as we go do this song. And just begin to cry out and begin to call to the Lord tonight. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.